the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast, explaining the news coming out of the complex worlds of finance, economics, and politics, and the impact it will have on everyday Americans. Author, investment banker, consumer advocate, analyst, and trader, Chris Markowski. All right, welcome, everybody. Um, I, I just got to give a little bit of a shout here. I, I haven't even really talked on, on the radio show I have. I wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah. Was, I think yesterday was the last day of Hanukkah, if I'm not mistaken. Um, program note, yes. Yes, my radio show will be on this weekend, um, but uh, I'm getting away. I'm getting away with the family um, this uh, for the next week week to 10 days heading down to Florida. So the, the podcast uh, might be a bit sporadic. I'm going to try to take a little bit of time off and uh, visit some friends and, and enjoy. You know, you're going to a, a free country, free state, the free state of Florida. Um, I'm looking to enjoy that. Yeah. I was, we, were, we were smart, though. You got you to gotta outsmart Lord Farquhar, Andy Cuomo. Got to outsmart him. So we're just going to leave from Newark Airport. So we uh, don't get tracked. Anyway, anyway, it was uh, a story by the the gentlemen doctors and uh, well, they're, they're not only that they're they're professors at Stan- uh, one's a professor at Stanford Medical School, uh, Doctor Bhattacharya, and there's also um, a professor of epidemiology at Oxford. Um, her name is uh, Sinetra uh, Gupta. They were uh, behind the. Barrington Declaration that we, we talked about that I, the great Barrington Declaration I signed on and, and many people did around the country talking about uh, how to deal with COVID and all these ridiculous lockdowns that we're dealing with right now. Uh, they had a piece today in the Wall Street Journal talking about the, um, the vaccines and the developments around the vaccines. And the points they're, they're making here, again, it's, it's master of the obvious type stuff. Things that, that I've been saying over the past uh, several weeks leading up to the vaccines and, and the questions that I had, you know, shouldn't these vaccines just plain and simple, you want to target people who are the most vulnerable. Why in the world as well? Why in the world? I, I would just suggest to people, I said, go get a blood test. Actually, blood. Yeah, you can get a, a blood test. I'm talking a uh, antibody test. But you know, the best thing to do is just go give blood. Go donate blood, and they'll give you a, an antibody test. Um, why give a vaccine to someone who's been infected? So again, you, you, th- you think about the you know, every day, a couple hundred thousand people up. Oh, they, they've got it. This one's got it. That one's got it. The only re- the only thing that I'm thinking of, yeah, honestly. That, that it goes along with what Fauci says, even if you've gotten it, you should take a vaccine, is that they know that the tests are BS to some degree. It's a bit of a fugazi. It's the only thing I can think of, because why in the world? You have Fauci suggesting that Donald Trump get a vaccine. Why? He just had the damn thing. Why waste a, you know, they're obviously limited supply. Why waste a precious vaccine on somebody that's already gotten it? Now, they also talk about in this piece, the mortality. Um, what we're looking at right now, 99.95% of people under 70 survive infection. 
five. Now, again, anytime somebody who does die, especially somebody who dies in their uh, in their twenties or thirties, that that makes for, that's front page news. It's like a shark attack. Anytime that there's a shark attack, it's going to make the news, without a doubt. Now, they're going to cover that. So anytime that you get a younger person that dies of COVID, and obviously it's a tragedy, tragedy when a younger person dies in a car accident. So it's a tragedy whenever a youngster dies, dies of the flu, dies of ammonia, dies of cancer, whatever it may be. 99.95% of people under the age of 70 survive infection. It is 95% for 70 and older. It's a big difference. Really is. It is a big difference. It is, there's no doubt that it is much deadlier for people who are older or people with chronic conditions. One of the things about the Great Barrington Declaration that <clears throat> I loved and I talked about, uh, the harms include the lockdowns, plummeting childhood vaccination, worse cardiovascular disease outcomes, and less cancer screening. Um, it's impossible to quantify the total deaths they have caused and will cause, but it's safe to conclude that for people under 70, without chronic conditions, especially children and young adults, COVID-19 is far less deadly than a lockdown. What we've been saying here since day one. For children, the cessation of in-person schooling has led to severe learning losses, which are predicted to shorten the lifespans of affected students among 25 to 44-year-olds. The CDC reports a 26% increase in excess all-cause mortality relative to past years, though less than 5% of 2020 deaths have been due to COVID-19. The Great Barrington Declaration called for a focused protection for the vulnerable. We have limited supply. Limited supply. That means you got to direct those that limited supply, those limited resources to shield people from infection. For everybody else, the lockdowns must end. And again, they talk about the science. Oh, it's, it's crazy. Fauci didn't say that. Yeah, yeah. Tens of thousands of epidemiologists, public health scholars, and physicians have signed on to this idea. But no, 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 no. Let's, let's listen to Bill Gates, because he knows better, right? Because he knows better, right? With vaccines being administered, that criticism is no longer viable, where they're saying to shut down. Um, Americans will have enough doses to inoculate 20 million people in December. 20 million in December. December's only got, what, about a week and a half left, Right? 30 million more in January. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has put nursing home residents first in line. Smart. That's smart. That's actually one of the smarter things. That's what I would do. 38, 38% of U.S. COVID deaths are connected to those settings. Frontline medical personnel also going to receive priority. Those who care for the elderly should receive special priority. So should people under the age of 65 who are at severely elevated mortality from COVID-19 infection due to severe chronic disease. 
And again, you know, what I would do is I would start telling people, I'd start telling people right now. I said, listen, vaccines are coming out. Um, you know, we can we can move you up closer to the front of the line if you haven't gotten it yet. So go and get yourself an antibody test. Yeah, they talk about, oh, yeah, we're all in this together. You want to go all this? Okay, all right, everybody go out there, find out, find out. Go, go give blood, get an antibody test, see if you got it. And, and then let the people that obviously need it because they haven't got it or they're at an increased uh, risk, put them to the front of the line. Now, l- listen, I, I, I'm waiting for results from my antibody test because I, I do think that I got it a couple months ago. Don't know. I don't know. But even still, you know, I'm, I'm in that age level where in the middle, in the middle, but I'm 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 a healthy guy. I don't get sick that often. I would put myself toward the back of the line. Right, so I said, I'm going to go to the back of the line with this one. It is what it is. And that's, that's how it should be handled. Anyway. Anyway, we shall see here. Okay. Um, couple another op-ed I want to discuss in the Wall Street Journal today. They're talking about the PPP program. Uh, Michael uh, Falkdender and Stephen Moran. These guys both work for the Treasury Department. And they're talking about what the PPP did. And again, this is master the obvious stuff. And they're making the, the, the point here in this column that the PPP program kept unemployment at reduced levels um, throughout the, the pandemic. And I, and I agree, especially in the beginning. I mean, what, was the, what did the unemployment rate get up to? Was it like 14%, if I'm not mistaken? I can't remember offhand. It would have been much, much higher than that. Much, much higher than that if there wasn't a PPP program. So basically all it was was unemployment. It was just a different way of delivering it. Now, granted, I, I like this way of delivering it better than unemployment because in many cases, businesses, you didn't know when we were going to, you know, whether or not it was, you know, the, the economy was going to start up. They were going to allow places to get back and you, you train workers and they have certain skills and you don't want to let them go. And if you can keep them on via this type of a program, I think it's better than unemployment. I, I would agree with that. Uh, but the gentlemen are calling for another round, and that's what's in the, the next stimulus package is, another, I think, another $300 billion in PPP. I, I, um, I don't understand why. At this point in time, again, <laughs> how many months in are we? I mean, it's just one month goes into the next month, goes into the next month. Um, I think many of those businesses have the proverbial bigger fish to fry if they haven't been open, if they haven't been able to operate their their businesses at capacity. I think that many of them have probably laid off the workers um, that they had to after the PPP program expired, and they're probably keeping, I mean, obviously if you're a restaurant, you got limited staff on. And what are you going to do? A restaurant in New York, no indoor dining, and they just got a foot of snow. And I think a lot of this PPP money, I think they need to give the business owners more discretion on how they can use it. 
this time around. I know the grand desire for by politicians is to say, look what I did. I kept the unemployment rate down. Um, you want to keep the unemployment rate down, you've got to keep businesses from going under. That's that's priority. Uh, that's you know job one right now. That's the priorities. You want you don't want these businesses to fail. And this is one way of doing it. You, know, you, you want these business owners, if they need to, you know, pay rent or pay partial rent to their landlords, you want to give them the ability to do that or to pay the utilities, whatever it may be. You've got to give them greater discretion. Have to. At, at this point in time, okay. The jobs are not, and I, I know I've been, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm beating a dead horse here. We've talked about this incessantly over the past couple of weeks, trying to get this through people's heads. The economy just doesn't turn on. It's not a switch. I always laugh at this. The president's, you know, many presidents taking credit due to the economy and jobs. And, and yeah, I, I can give them some degree of credit if they get out of the way and they, they present the environment where businesses can grow, but there's not like there's some switch somewhere. It takes time. Business owners, entrepreneurs, they need to feel comfortable with the situation, with the environment, if they want to invest, if they want to build. And at this point in time, my, my concerns are is they're going to have a difficult time accessing the capital markets. I mean, money's slashing around all over the globe. It's just going to the wrong places. It's going to, it's going to bullshit like Bitcoin. Bullshit like Bitcoin and, you know, IPOs, IPOs that didn't need the money in the first place is just paying out the early investors. The, the, the money that's slashing around the globe right now is not, it, right now the pounders should be, be kept dry. All this money printing that's going on. And get this money out to small businesses, out to entrepreneurs. You, you, want a, you want a faster recovery? That's how you do it. You do exactly the opposite of what Obama did following the Great Recession, where he decided to pick and choose Obama and his minions in Washington, D.C. Let's pick and choose who we're going to decide to give this this American Recovery and Reinvestment Act money to. Yeah, let's, let's give it to all these green companies because they sound good and they donated to our campaign. They're freaking failing all over the country, still to this day. Oh, and, and of course, you know, a ton of money to uh, the big banks that are now bigger and more powerful, and, and of course, uh, the automakers. Because it's got a lot of union members there. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, this, you know, in regards to the, the stimulus package, it's one of the things that's holding it up right now. And, and rightfully so. Rightfully so is that, yeah, Pat Toomey, Pat Toomey doesn't want... Um, there's, you know, I think it's over five. If I'm not mistaken, it's over five hundred billion dollars. Um, no, I'm wrong. Four. I'm sorry. Close. Four hundred twenty-nine billion dollars sitting at the uh, the Fed from the Treasury. 
again, was from that stupid Main Street lending program and other crap that they set up, which we knew was just dog crap, a pile of dog crap from the beginning. Um, Pat Toomey, that program's supposed to end December 31st, but he wants to make sure it ends December 31st, and he wants that money back. Say, okay, we got a 900, another $900 billion stimulus program. Why don't we use that money and put it towards it? The Democrats want to keep that money at the Fed because they say, hey, this is going to be a slush fund. Joe Biden takes office in January, January 20th, high noon, and uh, he'll be able to start cutting checks to Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom and uh, you know, all the other blue states. And Pat Toomey doesn't want that to happen. It's one of the things that's actually holding up the stimulus package right now. Um, it's actually kind of funny. This guy's a bit of a socialist to some degree. The Mexican president, um, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, he slammed the uh, lockdowns as a form of dictatorship, telling reporters that such measures betray authoritarian instincts. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I agree with the guy. He said COVID-19 lockdowns were fashionable among authorities who want to show they are heavy-handed dictatorship. A lot of them are letting their authoritarian instincts show. The fundamental thing is to guarantee liberty. Wow. I like this guy. I mean, get this guy to, you know, come to the United States. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, this uh, story again, you know, evil businesses out there. They're terrible. And 46,000 businesses slashed 401k contributions during the pandemic. No kidding. No kidding. I mean, uh, gee, they, they don't have the money. What are they supposed to do? About 8% of employers slashed their 401k contributions in recent months. Um, the thing about these contributions to 401ks, these matching contributions is, it's across the board, even for the owners. That's just how the law works. It's across the board. Everybody gets cut the same percentage. Um, saw this, too. This, you get a kick out of this. Um, <laughs> again, does this surprise anybody at all? I mean, they found this. I wonder how many are like that. We all, we all know that. When all said and done, many of the people that have died, died with COVID. If you died with COVID, maybe not of COVID, you're still being classified as dying of COVID. Story out of Colorado where um, it was actually the, uh, I think it was the sheriff, if I'm not mistaken. There was... Two people that um, two people that got shot. Two people got shot. Where is this in Colorado? I'm trying to find out. Um, Grand County, northwest uh, quarter of the state, home to fewer than fifteen thousand people, and they've only had uh, you know very few deaths due to uh, COVID. Five. But the the county coroner actually you know blew the lid on this and said, "Well, wait a second. Two actually died of gunshot wounds." But they had COVID, so they're, they're listed as a death of, by COVID. Again, surprise anybody at all? 
Again, the government lying, making stuff up, inflating the reality. I mean, at what point in time, people, and I don't care, it's Democrats, it's Republicans. You could talk about this in the lead up to war, into going into Iraq. You go, to the, 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 you go back and you take a look at how flimsy, how flimsy that case was to go into Iraq. They were, they had, they were so convinced that it was the right, well, you know, and, and the people around them and the military industrial complex, you know, a lot of money to be made. So, and, and, they, they, and man, oh man, they, whew, they presented their case, did they not? Had me fooled. Had me fooled, but guess what? I'm not a fool. I don't, I don't trust anything that comes out of Washington. Why would you? Why would you? How, how could you? I mean, honestly, how could you? Based upon the track record of lies, how do you trust anything that they say? After all of the contradictions that they put out, just about, just about the pandemic, people still listening to Everything that they say. I'm sorry. If you're one of those people, it's a sign of a really, really weak mind. Let me be critical here. But I, I talk about critical. Critical thinking. If you're not skeptical if, about any, everything that's coming out of Washington, D.C. and all of these authorities... These people in a, uh, uh, these positions of power. Something's not right with you. Really? Okay. Um, former Goldman Sachs CFO, gentleman by the name of uh, Marty Chavez. He thinks that income redistribution via the universal basic income is the only way to stave off revolution as the wealth gap continues to increase. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, this guy was a, was a supporter of Buddha jag, 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 jag. Um, all right. What is, what is Pete doing? What, he's got some position in the Biden administration. I don't know. He's going to be secretary of something. I forget. But um, no, no. You, you want to deal with um, income inequality. We explained how to do that. We did. We explained how to do that. Now, a guy like this is former Goldman Sachs CFO. He, um, you know, he uses, you know, basically cash for toilet paper because of the type of money that he made there. Again, getting paid in stock. I mean, let me use, I'll use Goldman Sachs as an example. I'm, I'm all for people making money, but... Again, you're going to make money. You're going to do things the right way, right? You, you, you want to keep your, you know, obviously you don't want to have an ethical bypass at birth. You want to, you, you keep your morals. You want to do the right thing. Uh, Goldman Sachs, way back in the day, <clears throat> he was, you know, set an example for the most part for, for conduct. It was a partnership. It was a partnership. It wasn't a publicly traded company 
I've talked about certain industries out there shouldn't shouldn't have shareholders. They shouldn't. The CEO of a company has a fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders. And when you're in a, the business where you're a profession, where you're supposed to put your clients' needs ahead of your own, there is a conflict of interest there. It's just that it's that simple. You cannot serve two masters. So I, I've been a big proponent of you know all of the big banks out there spinning off their asset management divisions. They're, when you're dealing with the public and you're dealing with individual clients, people's money, that should not be publicly traded. That needs to be private, in my humble opinion. But anyway, Goldman Sachs and the people, the powers at beast is late 1990s, I'm trying to remember the exact year. Um, maybe a little bit earlier than that. Yeah, towards the late 1990s, 96, 97, 98, somewhere around there. They decide to take the change the the dynamic, the makeup of the company, and they decide to go public. And again, it's Great way of getting people super wealthy. Super wealthy because you're paying in stock. You're not paying in cash. And stock obviously has certain multiples applied to it. And a company can just issue the stock and they can buy the stock back. And um, listen, I, I've talked about it here on the program um, you want to you want to fix a lot of the income inequality that we have in this country is you stop paying people in shares. I, I don't honestly I don't have any problem if you're giving shares, giving shares to some of the lay people in the company, but executives at these they shouldn't get shares. Pay the man the money. Pay them cash. Pay them in the same way that an actor would get paid for a movie or an athlete would get paid or anybody else would get paid. Cash. And if they want to invest in the company that they work for, have at it. Fine. No problem. That is the cause of the income inequality. I, and again, I don't have any problem at all. If you are a guy, say you're a guy like use Jeff Bezos, guys like them, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, guys who build stuff, create stuff, inventors, man, they should get paid. It was his company. He put his money into it. He took the risk. We've got a country now of, more often than not, of managers. Ivy League NBA managers that may have been able to pass some classes, but that doesn't necessarily make them great leaders, does it? Build something, create something. That, that, should be that should be the royal road to riches one of them compounding again we talk about that all the time but that should be the royal road to riches not climbing the corporate ladder 
Sorry. Anyway. All right. <clears throat> when we're on the, the topic of uh, nefarious business here. Well, you know what? I got off the beaten track. He was the CFO calling for universal basic income. Um, again, this guy's a CFO of Goldman Sachs. Where the hell's the money going to come from? Where? I just, uh, it, it, you know, that's, that sounds nice. Where, where's the money going to come from? We got a social security program that's going under sooner rather than later. Now we're going to start another government program. program. Where, where is it going to come from? How much are you going to tax people? Who's going to get taxed? Anyway, um, saw this story. And I, I, listen, I'm going to spend a lot of time on this. Um, I'm probably going to write a column on this. I am. Because I, I, I've written one before and it, it hasn't changed. Here's the, the headline. Risky loans secure private equity payouts despite downturn. Now, again, I, I, I'm a, I love capitalism. I do. Two, my, my, you know, doing the right thing. Two people sitting down at a table, both walking away happy. We have, it's, this is not a part of capitalism. This is a cancer on capitalism. You think of capitalism as like a, I'd like, yeah, yeah like a, a, a living, breathing organism. We've unleashed, there's cancers out there. There are. And they're private equity companies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like like the ones that like Mitt Romney worked for. Um, I I wrote about this. I, I had to be I don't know maybe two thousand five six. I, I don't remember exactly. And I was talking about the corporate raiders of the nineteen eighties and uh, Gordon Gecko and Hollywood's portrayal of them. Uh, there was uh, what's his name Richard Lewis uh, from Pretty Woman, one played by. Um, uh, Richard Gere. Was, it, was that was the name? Was it? I think it was Richard Lewis. I, I can't remember exactly. But anyway, um, they were evil. They were terrible corporators. No, 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 no. Go back and take a look at what they were doing back in the 1980s, where they were going into companies, getting rid of the crap, getting rid of the corporate jets. And all the nonsense. Another great film, Barbarians at the Gate. The RJR Nabisco takeover. But anyway, these, uh, these private equity companies, um, well, they changed later, later on down the line. And basically what they discovered was that they could take over companies, take over companies and bleed them dry. Bleed them dry. They're basically, it's like a slow assassination. It is. Maybe a better way of looking at it. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a vampire. A vampire, you know, grabs somebody and slowly but surely doesn't want that host to die right away because wants to feed off those. Slowly but surely bleeds them dry. And that's, again, that's what we're seeing right now. You've got businesses um, that are in trouble, obviously, due to COVID. But what are, um, what are the private equity companies doing? They're, they're going out and they're borrowing heavily, 
putting that debt on these corporate balance sheets to obviously send money to the owners of the private equity in the form of dividends. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, again, um, yeah, it's, it's not illegal, but that's, that's who these people are. Paying big dividends to themselves, borrowing, putting those, putting those loans on the company's balance sheet, and just paying themselves out. Yeah, again, it's 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 a it's an aspect of business right now. I guess maybe they must teach it at Harvard Business School and some of these Ivy League schools how to destroy companies, suck them dry, and make yourself a fortune, and not build or create anything of value except lining your bank account. Oh, you you think I'm kidding? Do your own homework on it. What do you think these private equity companies, oh, we're taking over, taking it over. Yeah, with borrowed money that you put on the company's balance sheet, you pay yourself out massive dividends. And when the company dies, the company dies. The hell do you care? They sell off the assets, pay off the creditors. Private equity makes money. Wall Street makes money. Lawyers make money. Company fails. People lose their jobs. Again, don't believe me? Look it up. Anyway, a couple more before we, we have to go here today. He's kind of off the beaten track story. Saw this. 23,000 pounds of cocaine. 8,800 pounds of marijuana. Uh, worth approximately $411.3 million. Uh, were offloaded by the U.S. Coast Guard Cutter James in Port Everglades in Fort Lauderdale. Series of busts in international waters. Again, ah, yes, we're doing a great job. You're doing your job. You're doing the best you can. And I'm not being critical of the Coast Guard. Okay, they've got orders. Do do, do you think that this made the, the slightest dent at all? At all? If you were, you know, had a... um. You know, the, the task of, gee, I don't, yeah, I'll do it. Yes, I had a snowstorm here. And I got um, quite the driveway. Quite the driveway. So we, I got, what, maybe 10 and a half, 11 inches of snow. If I told my kids to go out with plastic spoons to get rid of the snow, that, yeah, that's that's basically what we're doing. Basically what we're doing. The only way, and I, I've talked about this before, it's all about supply, demand, and pricing, right? If there was some national, it was some number where they could get, you know put out what is the street price on average? Because they do it for everything else, real estate for, of cocaine. Of heroin. When these uh, drugs become unaffordable because there's no supply, the price starts skyrocketing, then you know they're actually getting somewhere. They're not. So go back to my, you know, shovel my driveway with plastic spoons 
This was the equivalent of taking a spoonful of snow. That's it. That's it. Could you even tell? No. No. Again, might want to... uh, might want to think, rethink this whole uh, drug war. Another loser. All the wars that we lose here in this country, it's amazing. That's another one. Drug war. Um, quick sports story before we go. I, I saw this. Um, Russia will not be able to use its name, flag, and anthem at the next two Olympics or at any world championships for the next two years after ruling Thursday by the Court of Arbitration for Sport. They actually have this. And of course, it's uh, located in Switzerland. Um, They have the four-year ban proposed last year by the World Anti-Doping Agency. Accused Russia of state-ordered tampering by a testing laboratory uh, that was in Moscow. And it's had to do with the uh, Olympics in Sochi. Now, did anybody not think that the Russians... We're going to do some funky stuff in regards to their athletes for that Olympics. They may think that the, the, I don't know, the Chinese didn't do some funky stuff like at the Beijing Olympics back in 2008. Huh? I, I, again, did you see, again, all these, these, inter, they, they, these haughty, taughty people with their international sporting agencies. Oh, my God, the Olympics. What a crock of shit. These are some of the most crooked people going FIFA crooked as crooked could be you, you all Beijing's getting the Olympics you see all the people that China displaced to build those facilities what they did to those people that was a it was a really great documentary on it okay okay so you're gonna punish who you're gonna punish the Russian athletes why why those athletes, those athletes in two thousand. What was when was Sochi? I can't even remember. What was it? Was it was it twenty twelve? Or no, it was twenty. I'm sorry, twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Um, I, I don't think there's anybody anybody competing in the uh, Tokyo Olympics that was competing back in twenty fourteen. Highly doubt it. Why? And again, you want to suspend somebody for taking the drugs? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, do it. But, but again, you, you might want to put yourself, I mean, especially if you're coming from some sort of authoritarian country, um, you know, they might have given that athlete an offer that they couldn't refuse. Okay, so, so you're going to do this. You're going you're to have to, you're going to call these people. They're allowed to compete. Neutral athletes. They have to wear that on their uniforms. Must say neutral athlete, but it can also say Russia. Do you understand how stupid this is? Okay, they, they banned them from having any international competition for two years. You want to really clamp down it, just make, ban them from having it over an extended period of time if you want to do something. But, but don't play all haughty-taughty and above board because you guys are the biggest crooks on the planet. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, let's have the uh, World Cup soccer championships in Qatar in the summer. Oh yeah, yeah, don't yeah, because they got, they also got a lot of um, a lot of workers in Qatar, right? <laughs> yeah, anybody understand how some of these Middle Eastern countries work at all? Oh yeah, you, you know Qatar just called up 
Kim Jong-un and ordered up himself some North Korean slaves. So North Korean slaves to build the stadiums there for the World Cup in Qatar. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they pay minimal wages. Um, do the North Korean workers kit to keep them? No, that money goes to Kim Jong-un. He's actually exporting labor, slave labor, for all intents and purposes. Oh, you, you didn't think that the, the people at FIFA knew this? They don't give a hit. They don't. Yeah, people listening to the program, we live by a, a different set of values than many of these people do, and that's just the reality of the situation. But anyway, God bless everybody. Have a, a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. Um, <clears throat> like I said, um, I'll probably be sporadic. Probably be a bit sporadic next week, but I'll, I'll check in from time to time. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Have a good one. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.